don't our graphics people do an incredible job around here? Just so you know, this is all in-house. This happens with people who are attenders, leaders at Epic. Over 90% of everything we produce comes from just talent inside this church. So um, if you're intimidated by lots of talent like I am, I'm sure there's something you can do well, okay? I'm sure. That I've got one thing, and I'm going to try it right now. Uh, but I'm sure you've got some things that, that, that you can do well. And uh, 9.30, it was crazy. 9.30 really looked like 11 o'clock this morning. We didn't know what had happened. So I asked them at 9.30. I said, why are you here at 9.30? It was literally the, the biggest crowd we've ever had at 9.30. And I said to them, um, is it that your team is playing early today? Is it that your children have been up forever, so why not come to church when you've been awake for three hours? Uh, but what about, what about you guys? Your team's playing tonight? Anybody's team playing tonight? Really? We have that many non-Niner fans? How many of you are like, Ben, it doesn't matter when I come to church, I don't, I don't have a team. Like, I don't, you just say that. It's not going to keep us from being friends. I'm not going to send you to the church that has a non-athletic pastor. Uh, none, of, none of that stuff. Well, hey, here's the deal. As we kick off this new series, we've all had that season in life where everything was going perfectly, right? The weather was just like you wanted it to be for days on end, and that, for me, is about 62 degrees, sunny with a light breeze. What is it for you? Just give me your Fahrenheit, if you can convert that, you Celsius people. Um, if you give me your perfect Fahrenheit, like this is the wet, best weather ever. 85, uh, we need repentance over here from the 85 guy. I hope that you live in the East Bay, North Bay, or the South Bay. Otherwise, you're a miserable man, except for this one little moment in our calendar year here at Epic. 60, really like low 60s sun, but breeze, and uh, want to have a hoodie on, but nothing more. Uh, not nothing more, but you know what I mean, like a, a top. <clears throat> Dad, I'm, that's not me. I haven't changed since you knew me from last week's podcast, Father. Um, my dad watches every week, so this, this will be fun. Um, but you have that season where everything is going perfect, and the weather is perfect, and that new relationship seems so promising. You know those days where you can't sleep at night and you, you're doing crazy things, you're thinking about spending money, and, and people are like, no, that's not me. It, it was you back in the day. At least I hope you were a romantic back then, at least. But it, the, the relationship's so promising. And then your boss all but guarantees you that a promotion is just around the corner. You've had that, that promising moment, right? And you're as healthy as you've ever been. Uh, for some of you, you're, you were elated to find out that for the first time you're going to be a mom or a dad, and that was a, uh, some of you would be terrified by that. Others of you really elated by, by that reality. Um, for the first time in your life that you can remember, your bank account has a comma in it, right? And, and people are like, what's that? Um, and others of you are like, yeah, I remember that one day. It barely lasted because of the way my paycheck worked. I had two digits before the comma bend. It was an amazing two hours. And then, uh, and then rent came out, right? Um, but in that moment, everything was perfect. Everything was going just the way you wanted it. You were sleeping like a baby, meaning that there's just great peace in your life. You were telling everyone else, my life is so amazing. How come yours isn't? Because you just thought that everything in the world was perfect. And spiritually speaking, perhaps, in that moment, even if you didn't define it as this way, you felt like you and God were like this. Like you were so close to him. And everything that you're asking him for, he was giving it to you and more than that. But then in a moment, everything changed. The man who promised he would love you forever all of a sudden decided to stop doing so suddenly one day. The boss who had promised you a promotion calls you into his or her office and says to you, I know I told you that was likely, but not only are you not getting a promotion, um, we didn't meet our targets this last quarter by a, uh, in a major way. And so not only are you not getting the promotion, but you, you no longer work here as of this Friday. 
Those of you who had the rejoicing news of finding out you were pregnant, all of a sudden find out that tests have revealed that there's complications. Those of you who had your annual physical exam always come back clear, it, it didn't come back clear this time. And yesterday you felt so close to God, and now you don't know if he even exists. Initially, you were filled with great hope and high optimism, but in a moment, all of a sudden, you're filled with hopelessness and despair. As we enter this series, the series is called Not If Life Crashes. The series is called When Life Crashes, and here's why. Though it will happen to every one of us in varying degrees, it will happen to every one of us. And some of you, you're in the season right now where it's just crashed, but others of you, it crashed for you 5, 10, 20 years ago, and you still haven't gotten over it. You never recovered. When it happens to us in this way, what is true about ourselves and our future? What is true about our hope and our faith? What is true about God in these seasons? When life crashes for us, is he still there? And if he's there, is this some cruel, sick joke he's playing on us? Does he care? Have I not done enough good things? And now all of a sudden, this God who I thought was like this with me is now distant or he's punishing me. Here's what my aim is for this series. We're going to look at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament book of Genesis. We'll get there in just a moment. We're going to look at the life of Joseph. And, and, and what I want you to see over these seven weeks is Joseph has this promising reality in front of him, much like every one of us have. And life crashes for him once, and it kind of crashes for him over and over and over again. But he's going to make some amazing discoveries about himself, his future, and the way God works, even when it seems like he's not. And what I want to invite you to do is just to lean in with us over this, this starting today, seven-week series. It'll go through the end of October. And I just, if you can be present, be here. If not, our podcast team gets set up early in the week, videos online, all of those kinds of things. But I, but I want you to be here. And let me tell you a few things about Joseph before we get into the text this morning. Joseph's dad was Jacob. Uh, Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac's father was Abraham. So sometimes in the Bible, when it refers to the God that we've been singing about and we're going to talk about now, um, this God is actually referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then comes Joseph. Not a bad lineage, right? So, so he's got Abraham. If you know anything about Abraham, he's got Abraham as his great-grandfather. He's got Isaac as his granddad. Jacob's his father. And then there's Joseph. Joseph is one of 12 kids, so I'm sure he got a lot of attention. Uh, Joseph is one of 12 kids. He's the next to youngest. There are 11 boys in his family and one girl. Now, many of you know we're adopting a girl from India. We have three boys right now, and so uh, we can only imagine the kind of attention the one girl is going to get in our home, especially as we make up for the last seven or eight years of her life. But imagine what the one girl got in this home, right? I mean, you got a whole football team, literally all 11. And then this girl, like, so you got one cheerleader, right, 11. Um, she probably played to make it six on six. Well, here's what's crazy. Even though there are lots of kids, Jacob, the father, loved Joseph more than any of his siblings. Anybody ever grow up, and you can be honest if your mom's not here in the room, if she is, be careful here. Did you think at any time that your mom or dad loved your sibling, brother or sister more than you? Come on. This is, this is where we start being honest, okay? No, no punishment here. It's a safe place to, to bear your soul. Well, in Joseph's case, it wasn't just that Joseph thought it. It wasn't just that his brothers thought it. It was actually true. And so imagine being one of 12, you would think you don't get much attention unless you're Joseph. And so his father loves him so much that Joseph is the only one who gets a robe or a coat of many colors. And some of you, that's all you know about Joseph, right? You've seen it on Broadway. You've been there. You know that the, you, some of you know the techno-colored robe from Joseph. Um, 
So, so Joseph gets made this robe by his father, and he's the only one. And it's a colorful robe, right? If you're a parent in the future or you're a parent now, um, if you do love one of your kids more than the others, you need to keep that on the down low, okay? Giving them a colorful robe is probably not going to help keep things a secret from the other 11. And so Joseph, he sees this robe. He's, incru- he's loving this robe. His 11 siblings look at the fact that it makes them hate Joseph. You can imagine Joseph goes out in public and everyone sees, wow, where did you get that? Oh, my dad made it for me. Really? Well, I'm sure your dad's a fair dad. Did he make it for all 12 of you? No, he just made it for me. Right? Or his brother, Reuben, or Judah, they go out and and someone says to them, did did you get a robe like your brother? They're like, nope. So they hate their brother, Joseph. You think your siblings hated you? They, They really, you'll see in a moment, I hope they didn't hate you as much as Joseph's siblings hated him. You'll see this in just a moment. Well, then he begins having dreams. And let me just give this caveat. This is a free tip, not a part of the message, but just something advice-wise for you to walk away with this morning. You don't have to tell everyone your dreams, okay? Understand that. Especially when in your dream something bad happens to the person you're talking to about it. All right, you don't have to give up your information on your dreams to everyone. You don't have to do that, but he does. He tells his brothers, I had a dream, and in my dream I was ruling and reigning over all of you. What would you do if your sibling said that to you? Like, no way. I've beat you up since you were a kid. I'm going to keep beating you up. And he's like, no, I'm going to be over you in a power play way in the future. And then he has a second dream, and he still hasn't learned that don't tell your dreams to people that negative stuff happens in your dream too. Lesson. And so he says it to his brothers and to his dad. In my dream, what's coming in the future, just so you guys know, you're going to bow down before me on the ground. What if your brother or sister said that to you? You must be crazy, right? You, you, there's, you're on something. You, you need to take your medicine away. You can't have those hallucinations. But Joseph does this, and it makes his brothers hate him, as you'll see evidence of in just a moment. But if you're Joseph, life isn't so bad, is it? I mean, if you're one of the 11 siblings, mm, that's a tough life. But if you're Joseph, life is pretty good, isn't it? Right? You are one of 12, but you stand out to your dad more than anyone else. You're the only one who gets a robe made for you, and you're the only one who's been given this vision that sometime, hopefully in the near future, you're going to rule and reign, and people are going to bow down before you. Pretty bright future, wouldn't you say? It's very promising. Let's see if it holds the weight of the promise. If you guys want a Bible, need a Bible this morning, raise your hands. For the rest of us, Genesis chapter 37. Keep your hands up. Our our volunteers will give a Bible to you. Genesis chapter 37, if I said 27, 37, page 20, if you receive one of the Bibles that we're passing out. Jacob, uh, Joseph was 17 when he began to have these dreams. 17, he's telling his brother, here's what's happening. And so everything looks promising for him. And if you've ever been in that place where everything about your future was all but guaranteed, you were close with God, finances, finances were in a great position, you were getting the jobs you wanted, you were dating the girl or the guy that you wanted to be dating, um, everything was great. Your family life was just kind of this um, image of the perfect family. Um, everything was promising, and then one day something changed. Let's see how it changes for Joseph. Would you stand with me? Genesis chapter 37, verses 18 through 28. What has just happened is Joseph is gone, he's gone out, uh, not in a wise way, but he's gone out to look for his brothers. Verse 18, they, that's his brothers, they saw him from afar, and before, the, before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. 
Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, one of his brothers, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. Not phased at all. They're just eating. Brothers in the pit. He's got no water. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let... Not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. You see that brotherly love there? Like, let's don't kill him. Let's just sell him. We love him. He's our brother. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites. I guess being sold is better than being murdered. But they sold him for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. You can have a seat. In case you wonder, you know, a lot of Joseph's story, how he spends the rest of his life perhaps in Egypt, this is how he gets there. So when they see him from afar and they say, here comes the dreamer, they are not speaking positively about Joseph. They're not like, you know what, Joseph's such a futurist. Joseph has such amazing dreams. He's such a great goal setter. They're like, no, here, com here comes the dreamer. And they say, let's see how his dreams go when he's dead. Uh, anybody ever dreamed? Uh, don't, don't answer that. I know some of you have had outer body experiences we don't need to know about this morning. They want to kill their brother. They absolutely want to murder their brother. So this person who should be able to count on family, we all should, and that's not some of our reality in this room, but we, we should be able to count on family, right? And he can't count on those closest to him. They hate him so much that they want to kill him. And then Reuben, one of the brothers, says, let's don't kill him yet. Let's throw him into the pit because um, uh, Reuben had this plan that he was going to restore Joseph to his father, Jacob. Now, you tell me one of two reasons that Reuben wanted to restore Joseph to Jacob. Maybe he cared so much about Joseph that he was only going to throw him into the pit, right? Or maybe Reuben knew that if he restored and returned Joseph to his father, Jacob, because Jacob loved Joseph the most, then guess what other son might get a little bit of favor and a coat of many colors? Reuben. And so they, they put him into the pit, no water, and, and the brothers just begin eating as if nothing happened. Now, if you're, if you're in the pit, what do you say? Well, don't say that here. What are you, you're just yelling, right? I think if I'm in the pit, let me out of here. And they're just eating as if nothing happened. And they see these Ishmaelite traders, and they've got gum, balm, and myrrh, apparently equal to the price of a brother, Right? Like, oh, they've got this awesome stuff. Um, certainly, um, they'll give us some money, and they do that. And I guess being sold is better than being murdered. Any, I want, what do you think? Who wants to be sold over being murdered? Yay. That's great. We've got the big non-participatory group over here. 
And that's what happens. And if you were to go on and read it, they end up selling him for 20, 20 shekels of silver. It's like, man, it's got to be worth more than that, right? And of course, they remember they had stripped the robe off of him. And what they're going to do, if you, kept re- if you keep reading the text, what they're going to do is they're going to dip this um, significant, valuable robe of Joseph. They're going to dip it, and they're going to kill, they're going to kill a goat. They're going to dip the robe into the blood of the goat, and they're going to go back to their father and make their father believe that a, uh, an animal, a wild animal, has devoured Joseph. Everybody understands devoured, right? So life doesn't just crash for Joseph on this day, does it? It crashes for his father, Jacob. And, and what Joseph and Jacob, each on this day, they, they show us perhaps the two greatest categories of the way that life can crash for us. For Joseph, his life crashes when something happens to him. That's one of the ways and categories that that your life and my life, it crashes. Someone does something to us, right? We do something, we're responsible, we do something to ourselves and cause something to happen to us, or it just happens to us. Usually we assign that blame to God, right? Someone does something to us, we realize we do something to ourselves, something happens, or it just so happens, and if we're struggling with the whole faith and doubt thing, we just say, God, you must be the one who did this to me. For Jacob, his life crashes in a different way that oftentimes our life crashes. His life crashes when something precious and of utmost importance and valuable is taken from him. So as you think about how your life has crashed in some way, I want you to think, is it something that happened to you? Did someone do something to you? Are you responsible for having something happen to you that was bad? Or did it just happen? Or like Jacob, did you find yourself in a situation where your life crashed because something precious was taken from you? Maybe it was a relationship that you had high hopes for. Some of you, your parents divorced when you were a kid or a teenager. And you're still reeling from that. And let's be honest, you haven't recovered yet. Some of you had... The death of a loved one, rock your world and take what was really valuable to you. Someone had, uh, maybe you were fired and the job meant everything to you. I don't know what it was, but did something happen to you? Or did something that was so precious to you get taken from you? Have you ever had this experience where everything changed in a moment? For those of you that are like, no, Ben, my life has been perfect. Again, I can't say in church what I need to say to you in this moment. I'm just saying it's not true. It's just not true. And for some of you, this is a recent thing. Life has crashed recently for you. And for others of you, life crashed perhaps 5, 10, 20 years ago, and you still haven't recovered. In fact, you haven't picked up hope since the day your life crashed. You didn't think it was possible. Some of you believe that God walked out on you the day your life crashed, and it's weird for you even being in a church right now. And if you're honest, you've come in here making sure that you've made a commitment internally to yourself that I'm not going to let myself get that close ever again to God. Some of you have decided because of the way your relationships went in the past that you're never going to let a man or a woman close to you again. Now, there are certain men and women you don't need to let close to you again. Can I say that? Word? Yeah, word. Come on. True, pastor, yes, there are some men and women we do not need to let close to us, get close to us again. I want you to fill in this blank, because we've all got something to fill in this blank with. If blank wouldn't have happened, my life would be so much better. 
if blank wouldn't have happened, my life would be so much better. And as I've said, we've all got something to fill in the blank, although it's with varying degrees, right? Some of you have been through a literal hell in life, right? Some of you have had terrible suffering. Some of you have lost people that were mom, dads, kids, siblings. They, they died in a terrible way. Some of you have been married and your husband or wife just walked out on you. Some of you have had terrible things, but others of us, um, it may not be as to the degree that those examples are, but every one of us have had something where we can fill in the blank and say, if it wouldn't have happened, if I wouldn't have made that split-second decision that night, if I wouldn't have given my heart to her, if I wouldn't have been hired by them, if I wouldn't have moved away from fill in the blank, every one of us in this room has something, my guess is, many things that we can fill in the blank with. If so-and-so wouldn't have happened, my life would be so much better. And again, don't pretend because it hasn't happened to you in 2013 that you're necessarily over this thing. And some of you come in this morning and you're merely a shell of your former self because you set hope down on that day. For some of you, it was 15 years old when your mom and dad walked in and said, hey, we're not doing this marriage thing anymore. You need, basically, you need to pick a favorite. Some of you, you're just a shell of your 23-year-old self. Right? You had the best degree from a top five university, promising career. Your professor said, of course, you'll get everything you want out there, and you haven't yet. Some of you, just a shell of your 35-year-old self. Everything looked great. You're having kids. They were doing great. And just something happened. And you set hope down on that day, whatever day that was. It could even be this week. We set hope down, and, and you don't believe you'll ever find a reason to pick it back up again. Have you ever been there where everything seems so promising? Like, this is going to be awesome. It is going to be amazing. And then in a moment, it's taken from you. Shauna and I met working at a camp in Nashville, Tennessee, the summer of 1999. And uh, that same summer, we didn't, I didn't have a cell phone back then, dating myself. But I talked to my parents a couple times a week at that camp. And one night that I talked to them, they let me know that my mom had breast cancer. And our staff who were amazing. They raised enough money to get me a quick plane ticket out of Nashville to Louisiana where my parents lived. And I flew home, was there with my family for a couple of days. And, um, and it was an aggressive, uh, an aggressive treatment process. And, 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 and then we got to this place where, you know, she'd lost her hair with chemo and all this stuff. She had a full mastectomy. And then, and, and then things started to go better. In fact, I heard the word that I think is the most positive word you could ever hear in a cancer scenario. They told us, and I found out my mom was in remission. Things were promising. She was getting healthy. She was getting her life back to normal. Her hair was growing back. I don't know what that's about um, personally, but um, her, her hair was, was growing back. And, um, and all was great. She was in great health when Shauna and I got married December of 2000. Um, but, but then another phone call came a few months later and just said, hey, Ben, um, it's back and it's worse. And many of you that know me know that story and you know how that story ends. But I've got to be honest. I guess I was just naive. When I heard the word remission, I thought that was a thing in the past. I thought the hill had been taken. I thought victory was ahead. I thought she would see my kids one day. I thought she would come out. Even if I moved to some crazy place like San Francisco, that she'd come out and and we would have lots of great times in the years to come. But it wasn't to be. And for me, some of you have many worse moments, I realize that. But for me, that's the moment that life crashed hardest. What do we do with those moments? 
Some people say, oh, Ben, God's in control. Just move forward. I'm going to show you how much God's in control. I'm going to hit you and tell you the same thing. All right? I mean, listen, I want to get to that conclusion. I want to help you in this series get to that conclusion, but we're not going to play games like that here. I'm going to tell you that it sucked. I'm going to tell you that I hated it. I'm going to tell you that I still haven't recovered from it 12 years later. What do we do? Do we have to set down hope? Do we have to give up on God? Do we have to give up on our future dreams? Or is there some other thing we can do? Well, let me just say this. We aren't the only ones who've had life crash for us. Joseph isn't the only one whose life has crashed for him. Let me, let me tell you about this story. There's, there's a particular Sunday um, towards the end of Jesus' life. It's a Sunday. It's known as the Triumphal Entry Sunday. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem on this Sunday. And as he's riding in, it is like um, uh, just a crowning moment. You've got the crowd gathered around. They're waving these palm branches and they're yelling out, Hosanna! To the son of David, what they're saying in that moment is, the Messiah is here. And there's this moment of great promise, Sunday, triumphal entry. Everyone's saying that's around right there, Jesus, you're everything. You are the king. You are the Messiah. And a mere five days later, the crowd with similar passion yells something very different. Crucify him. And they did. Now, I'm assuming most of you know this, but that wasn't the end of Jesus' story. And what you've read today, this isn't the end of Joseph's story. And when life crashed for you, it doesn't have to be the end of your story. I did not say it isn't the end of your story because some of you, if you don't pick hope back up again, if you stay rocked from however long ago or recently this thing happened for you, then that will be your lot in life until you decide that you're willing to trust God again and move forward. I didn't say it was easy. But it doesn't have to be the end of your story. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to commit to being here over the next six weeks. If you're in town and you have a, don't have an obligation that would keep you from being here, I want to encourage you to attend the next six weeks. I know some of you won't be able to, and our, our tech team does a great job getting our podcast up early in the week, getting uh, the video of the messages to, uh, to, the, to our website as well. And I just want to encourage you to do that. That's the one thing I want to encourage you to do. Second thing I want to encourage you to do, and it's based on the belief that when we go through the kinds of things we're going to go through as we talk about and think about and process this, I'm just going to say this. I don't like to use the word need too much from this stage, but you need to be a part of some community. We try to offer that to you in a formal way here through Epic Groups. You have your own set of friends who encourage you in the right way. Awesome. But I want to say to every one of us in this room, including myself, we need people around us. And joining a group as we kick those off today, really the best way to process the stuff that's going to come up. Now, there's one decision only you can make in the series like this. You can decide to keep your heart numb. You can decide to stay distant from God and bearing your soul or laying your soul out before him. Or you can engage in what God's going to present. As ideas come to mind, as memories come to mind, as you begin to think, could I move forward in this? Things are going to be processed in your minds. And I just want to say this, as the pastor here, representing our staff and our leaders here at Epic, we care. One of the things I said right before I got up to speak this morning to Shauna is, I'm so glad that we moved out here. Not so I could be the pastor primarily, but so I could be a part of what God's doing here in our community. And I want to invite you in. You'll never be forced to move into community here at Epic, ever. But I want you to take advantage of it. For those of you in the room that say, I'm too busy, every one of us are. You're not special. Every one of us are. But Ben, I've got really good excuses. I do too. 
trying to lead this church, trying to, you know, get to the gym so I can be stronger than Tim. <laughs> I got three kids at home. Um, we all have things like that. But if you find it to be meaningful, you will prioritize it like you prioritize everything else you find to be meaningful. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Here's how I want to move into our response time. Brad and the band will come up in just a moment, lead us in a couple of reflection and response songs. And what I want to do is just make our staff and our spouses available over in this space over here. If there's something that's going on in your life very recently or something from a long time ago, we'd love just to pray for you. If you're like, Ben, I don't even have faith. I gave that up. Ben, I don't even believe in prayer. You don't have to. Let's just, this won't hurt you then. Borrow our faith this morning. Not because it's perfect, but we believe God's going to do great things in this series, and we want him to do great things in your life. People's lives in our church, just to be honest with you, many of them are falling apart right now. Marriages that are crashing. We have people with stage four cancer in our church right now. We have a lot of depression in our church right now. We have a lot of emotional things going on with people. There are family issues on and on and on and on. People that don't have a job, that's crashed for them. And uh, if life's going great for you, and you're like, Ben, I don't need this, and I don't need the group, would you come for the rest of us? Would you show up at your group? Would you sign up for a group so you can lend support to us? Even if you don't have any needs, and who knows, your, your situation. I, I am not, I, I, I told this to my staff this week, I, I don't know if people's lives started crashing because we planned this series or if the series is coming because people's lives, I, I hope it's this one, that God knew what was ahead, so he led us down this road. And um, if life is great for you, you know, don't make something up. Um, <laughs> please. Just to be one of us whose lives have crashed. Um, but let's see what God will do in our midst. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. Our staff will be over here. No rush this morning. The band will lead us in a couple of re response songs. And uh, we're kind of hanging this morning. Many of you want to know how does Joseph's story end. And I, I want to say let's continue to just to, to hear from it. Uh, next week we'll be in Genesis 39 if you want to get ahead on that. But for us, my prayer is that God will do something that um, makes us whole again. That he will restore things that you've lost. Some of you have lost faith. You don't anticipate bringing it back up. You're here because somebody dragged you along or promised you lunch. Some of you don't ever want to enter into a serious relationship again it, because it just turned out terrible. What if God wants to restore hope? Some of you gave up on your career because it didn't go like your professor told you it would probably go for someone of your caliber. And so you started settling. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I do want to say this. Whether it happened last night or it happened 20 years ago, um, this God is not done with you. Your story isn't over unless you choose for it to be. Let's pick up hope this morning, even if we have to rely on one another's faith and hope. Let's see what God might do. Engage in this. Will it be painful? Perhaps. Do I think pain is oftentimes necessary to be healed? Absolutely. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask God to help us. God, I thank you so much that when you seem absent, based on our circumstances, you're still fully present. God, I thank you that this isn't the end of our story. God, even for my mom, it wasn't the end of her story. God, no matter what's been lost, no matter what's happened to us, no matter what we brought on ourselves, God, this isn't the end. And God, I pray that you would do a great work of restoration in our hearts. God, I pray you would forgive us for the things that we need to own this morning. But God, I pray that you would just set us free. And God, you would remind us that regardless of what things look like, this isn't the end. Build hope. Build hope in us, God, because we want you to restore us that we might be a light for those in our city who need the same heart restoration that we do when our lives crash. God, I thank you that when life crashes, you don't run away. God, when our lives crash, you open your arms to us. 
You let us express, as sons and daughters should, exactly what's on our hearts. And I pray we'll lay ourselves open before you this morning as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd love to pray.